The music industry has thrived for decades on singular song theme, love. Who's got it? Who doesn't? What's love got to do with it? Songwriters have been telling the age-old story from the beginning. Love causes us to rejoice when we have it and weep when we don't. What our world needs now, as the song goes, is love, sweet love. God knows this for the troubadour every did, before every did. The world has always needed love, and God demonstrates real love to us in this way. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. John 3.16 As people were waiting for the promised Messiah, they couldn't have imagined they were waiting for the love to come down. But love came down at Christmas, and with God's gift of love came the good news that this love was for all people. The angels announced Jesus' arrival, told the shepherds on the hillside, Don't be afraid, I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that meant for everybody worldwide. A Savior was just been born in David's town. A Savior is Messiah and Master. God sent the whole world a Savior, a Rescuer, a Redeemer. He sent them the Messiah, the Anointed One, the King of all kings. This tiny baby boy, born in humble Bethlehem, would be what the world needed most before they even knew they needed him. Love, real love. Not everyone agreed. Fear of being overthrown or overpowered caused Herod to try to kill him. Fear of his growing following and radical teaching caused the Pharisees to have him killed. Jesus could have avoided death. He could have refused. But love lives courageously when life looks away. So Jesus laid down his life for the world in love. And in the death of Jesus, God completed his best gift to all the world. For God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8. As we light the candle of love, we remember that love came down so that love could lay his life down. So now we await love coming again. And until that day, we will strive to fulfill Jesus' challenge to all those who call him Savior and Master. Love each other as I have loved you. John fifteen two. Please pray with me. <clears throat> Father, how great is the love that you have lavished on us, that we are called children of God. And that is what we are. The gift you gave to us in Jesus, your son, makes us sons and daughters of the Most High. No greater love have we been shown. Now you call us to love others in the same way. As we wait for your love to come down once more, may our lives show the love we have received from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Obviously, our theme today is, is uh, good news, and, and part of that good news is love. And uh, the notion is that uh, love overcomes fear. It's kind of a, a prominent theme, and 
Actually, I discovered this morning that that was the theme of uh, Don and Brenda's wedding. Because uh, Brenda, during her wedding, during the lighting of the unity candle, set her veil on fire. Fun fact, right? Anybody else have that happen? Anybody else set anything on fire during your wedding? It's crazy. I've actually been doing a ceremony and saw one of the candles burning from the bottom up instead of the top down once and had to blow it out. You know, I said, let us pray. And everybody bowed their heads and I went, blew it out, came right back. But no, seriously, her, her veil caught on fire and Don overcame his fear of fire and put it out with his bare hands. Tell you what, Don's a real man. I'll tell you, that's uh, not sure I would do that. Don, I might have got a fire extinguisher, but that would have ended badly. Um, anyway, uh, love overcoming fear is, is a great theme, and it's part of the Christmas story, I believe. We're going to talk about that in just a moment, but it, it's, it's probably one of the more prominent themes in the films that we watch, and the books that we read, and the stories that we tell each other for entertainment. Uh, for instance, you know, this time of year, there's lots of, of different movies. How many of you watch different movies during Christmas time than you do during the rest of the year? Anybody? Hallmark movies, Christmas movies, you know, the Santa Claus, all these wonderful things. Well, my wife's favorites, of course, are the Hallmark movies. We watch nothing but them at this point. That's all the TV knows how to play this time of year. And even in Hallmark movies, you see this, this theme kind of come out. You've got this beautiful but un- underconfident young lady who's dating a guy who doesn't want to commit, right? And, and she, she knows she doesn't love him, but she's too afraid to break up with him because she doesn't want to become an old maid or she's afraid of what her parents might say. And so f- she's drawn for some reason, unexplicable reason, to a small country inn. It's always a small country inn. And she meets a man there wearing flannel who's really good at fixing stuff. And so because of her love for this new flame in her life, she overcomes her fear and dumps the other guy and they get married and live happily ever after till the next Hallmark movie where they are two different people and two different characters but the same faces, right? They only have about four actors that do all of those. I'm just kidding. Anyway, but you know, it's not just in Hallmark movies. You see it in action movies too. You know, for us men, you know, we love the action movies and the same theme kind of plays out. You have a hero or a heroine who comes face to face with either it's the bad guys, the crooks, aliens maybe, or, or zombies, whatever, you know, your preference is. But at just the right moment, they're, they're terrified, they're, they're scared out of their minds, they're frozen with fear, and, and when their loved ones, their, their, their dog, their wife, their children, whatever, is suddenly in harm's way, they in that last moment decide to overcome their fear, and they do the right thing, and they win the day, and they save everybody, and they become the hero that every man really wants to be, but let's be honest, aliens don't exist, so we're never going to be that hero, right? At least that we know of yet. Um, even in sports stories, how many of you like sports movies? Anybody like anybody ever seen Invincible with Mark Wahlberg? Now that Disney Plus is out and I get it free, <laughs> um, I got to watch that again. One of my favorite movies of all time, an incredibly inspirational story about a guy who's basically struggling in Philadelphia during the time that their economy was you know, kind of bad like it has been in Michigan for the last few years. And, and so he loses his job as a teacher. His wife leaves him and leaves him with this note, you know, you'll never amount to anything. You'll never accomplish anything. You'll never make any money. You'll never be anything, you know. And, and he's just beaten down. And, you know, the whole city is that way. And, and they're just looking for anything to grab onto. And unfortunately, the Philadelphia Eagles, their football team, is their big source of hope usually in times like this. And unfortunately, the <clears throat> Eagles were playing as bad as the Lions are currently back then and so there's nothing really to get excited about and so this new coach comes in and and throws out the idea of an open tryout for anybody who wants to come for an NFL team maybe the Lions should try that I don't know Jesse you want to go we can 
You and me? No? Okay, no, never mind. Uh, anyway, so he throws out this open tryout, and of course, this, this, his one love, uh, uh, Papali's one love, the guy that the movie is actually about, it's a true story, Vince Papali. The one thing that he loves more than anything else is football, and so he goes and he tries out, and he overcomes his fear. He doesn't want to do it at first, he overcomes his fear, and, and then he's, you know, afraid about this, and he's afraid about that, and then he meets a girl, you know, and he's afraid to ask her out, and he finally does it, and then he <laughs> finally gets up the the, the uh, courage to go back and ask for her forgiveness after he breaks up with her because he's afraid of commitment and, you know, all these different steps along the way. But finally, in the big game, he makes one good call and he makes a play that just blows everybody away and saves the day and all of that and he lives happily ever after, well, at least for two years because that's all his career in the NFL lasted. But it's a great story, right? He, he overcomes fear, he keeps on trying, and, and great love overcomes fear. In his case, it was love for the city of Philadelphia, the love for football, and, and the love of a father who was just looking for something to cheer for in a very dark time, and sometimes we need that. I believe the Christmas story is a story about love overcoming fear. I don't think anybody would argue with me, right, that Mary had some fear and trepidation when she found out that she was pregnant. And then when she found out that, that what the, the baby she was carrying was going to be the son of the living God, I mean, imagine being Jesus' parents. I would imagine that, it, you know, Joseph probably faced a bit of fear and trepidation when he found out that he was going to raise the son of God or at least help raise the son of God. I, I mean, think about the fact that Jesus would eventually call both Joseph and God daddy. That struck me this week. I'm like, holy cow, those are some hard shoes to fill. I mean, Jesus would call both of them father in theory. It's an amazing position that Joseph was put in, but one that probably inspired great fear. I'm sure that Mary and Joseph were terrified when they found out that during the last trimester of the pregnancy, during the time that they should be settling in and nesting and all that stuff, they were going to have to make this journey to Bethlehem, which would take them across country on foot. I would imagine that that scared them. I would imagine they were a little afraid when a bunch of smelly shepherds showed up at the manger right a bunch of ruffians come walking in the door after you just gave birth to a baby how many of you women would like that you know all the the guys working down on the other wing of the hospital building a new hospital come traipsing in after the baby's born i'm getting a lot of glares right now let's not even go to that one but that just wouldn't be a good thing right even when the wise men came and they told the story of how Herod had given attention and the angel had spoken to them, probably there was fear there. I would imagine that Mary and Joseph were afraid when they found out that Herod, Herod was out to kill them and they had to flee to Egypt in order to avoid that. There's lots of places in the story for fear, but every single time they overcame their fears and the reason that they were able to overcome their fears was because they loved the God that they served. They loved each other and they loved that child that God had given them. And so the story of Christmas is one of love overcoming fear. And they continued down the path that God laid out for them. And we're told that Jesus grew up safe. In Luke 2.52 it says, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Friends, isn't that every parent's prayer? That our children would grow in wisdom, that they would grow in stature, and that they would gain favor not only with human beings but with God himself. What a wonderful picture of the family that God created. You see, I believe that, that this idea of love conquering fear is something that God produced within us. He, he created us for it. And I believe that God desires love more than he does fear. 
And this hasn't always been the message of the church. But if you look at what God did for us, I think it's very evident that his desire was to show us the love that he had for us and to inspire that love in us. I mean, think about it. You know, in the Old Testament, certainly God is, is so shown in times as a very fearful um, person. He, he created the world and everything in it with just a few words. But he's also, um, in, in that story, constantly showing forgiveness and love. Think about the way that he sent his son Jesus to come and live among us. I mean, if God really wanted to, just to get his message across, he could have just wrote it in the sky or, or shouted it on a loud voice from heaven. God had the capability to get his point across using any means he wanted. But he chose to come and live among us through Christ. He became human as we are human so that we could get to know him. Uh, If he wanted to inspire fear, he could have just shouted his message from the heavens, but he didn't do that. Instead, he chose to draw near to us to inspire love and not fear. If he wanted to inspire fear, he could have come in a different way. He came as a baby. He didn't have to do that. He could have come as a conquering king. He could have come on, you know, the, the classical white horse with a sword in his hand. He could have come in such a way that all the world's nations would have bowed down to him. He certainly had that right. He created everything that there is. He owns it all. But he didn't do that. He came as the one thing that inspires love out of almost every heart, right? A baby. How many of you can look at a baby and not just feel in love with that thing? Don't raise your hands if that's you. Because we don't want to know. I mean, babies are universally accepted as the one thing that everybody loves. Now, I will say this. Not all babies are beautiful. I'm just saying. Just saying. They're not all beautiful. Some of them grow up to be beautiful, but just saying. But you got to love them anyway, right? They're so tiny and beautiful. Pat and Kylie, most of you, some of you know my son, daughter and son-in-law, Pat and Kylie. They're up north this weekend because Pat's sister had a baby. And so now they're aunt and uncle. And every Snapchat that they used to put on was all about coffee, Big B, Starbucks, what we're eating today, the new boots I bought, Whatever. Now, every single Snapchat when they're up north, guess what it's of? The baby. Uncle Pat getting smacked in the head by the baby. You know, Aunt Kylie holding the baby, smooching on the baby. I mean, it's just all baby. Why? Because everybody loves babies. Jesus came in a form that people could love and that they would naturally love. And not just any baby. He didn't come as a rich baby. He came as a poor baby, born to common parents, someone that everybody could connect with, everybody could relate to. He started his ministry as he grew up, and he could have inspired fear if he would have chose to. He could have built an army. He had enough following. He could have literally raised an army and taken over the known world of that time. I mean, think about it. At one time on a hillside, he had 5,000 men plus women and children there. We know this because he fed them all, right? Remember? Five loaves and two fish, and Jesus multiplied the food and fed 5,000. Imagine if instead of food, he would have multiplied weapons and gave them all a sword and said, hey, let's go take Rome. He could have done that. It was within his power to inspire fear, but he chose not to. He chose instead to provide food for them. Finally, his love is what took him to the cross. And don't you dare think that he didn't feel fear when he went to that cross. I believe that the night that he spent in Gethsemane, in the Garden of Gethsemane, was all about not only you know, looking forward to great separation from God, but I believe he was afraid. 
The Bible says that Jesus felt all things as, as we feel them, that he was tempted in every way like we are. Could the Son of God feel fear? I believe he could. Death is preceded by fear, is it not? We all fear death. And Jesus knew that he was going to die. And so on his knees before God, he said, Lord, if there's any other way, please do it another way. And yet not my will, but thine be done. You see, I believe Jesus' love for us and his love for his Father put him, pushed him beyond his fear so that he ended up on a cross for your sins and mine. What I'm saying all this for is this. I believe that, that Jesus came to inspire love, not spread fear, because fear paralyzes, but love inspires. Love empowers. Love is what motivates us to do the right thing and not just not do the wrong thing. And I believe in the church for far too long, we've had a doctrine of fear instead of love. Can I be transparent with you? I mean, I usually am, but I want to be extra transparent this morning. I grew up in the church. I've known Jesus my whole life. And I did not inherit my parents' faith. For those of you that are wondering, I have a personal relationship with Jesus because I did ask him to come into my heart. But let's be frank, I've been in the church since the day I was born. I had very little chance not to be a Christian. And yet... I have brother, a brother who isn't. It can happen. But suffice it to say, I've known what to do my whole life. I've known Jesus my whole life. And, and as I get older, you know, at 48, I'm in that period most people call midlife crisis. I know I'm probably a little beyond that. But I'm doing a lot of thinking about my life before and my life in the future and whether what I've done is worth doing. Anybody else in that boat? I mean, this happens, I think, to all of us. We, we get to a certain age and we're like, man... I don't want to waste the rest of my life. Have, has, is what I've been doing worth it? And, and so I, I did a lot of thinking about what my life has been about up until this point. And you add to that the fact that as a church, we're kind of trying to find this new identity and the new direction that God is taking us. And we want to arrive at what he wants and not just what we want. And so I've been thinking a lot about this. And then I thought back, I thought, all right, what, what has Christianity um, what impact has Christianity had on my life? What has my relationship with God done to my life or done in my life? And what is the biggest thing that, that has happened as a result of the fact that I've been a Christian? And here's what I came up with. Unfortunately, from the very beginning of my Christian walk, church, Christianity, religion have inspired in me fear. Fear. The, the, the reason I came to an altar the very first time was because some preacher told me I'd go to hell if I didn't. And the reason I came the dozens of other times <laughs> to the altar to pray is because the preacher said, you better make sure or you might go to hell. And I was scared to death of hell. As I grew up, other fears took over. As I began to read scripture and know who God was, you know, everything in scripture seemed to point to the fact that if I didn't do everything right, this God was going to be angry with me and that lightning bolts would fly from heaven. And I was scared of letting God down. And then as I, I grew up, I grew up around Christians and Christian family and Christian school, high expectations. I was afraid of letting my parents down. I was afraid of doing the wrong thing. Not just sinning, but not doing the right thing. And I was terrified of everything. It was ridiculous. And then I became a pastor. Let me tell you something. You people inspire a whole new level of fear. Because think about this. When, when we get up as pastors to preach, the Bible says a lot of really hard stuff about leading the flock astray, you know? 
And there is terrible trepidation in my heart every week about, am I saying what God wants? Is this God's message or is this my message? I don't want to lead people in a direction that God does not want them to go. And so you add that to the mix. And I got to tell you, Christianity has inspired fear in me my whole life. I don't believe that's why Jesus came. And I think too often the church has lived in this doctrine of fear. Listen to 1 John, what it says, because there's wisdom here that we need to remember and that may become my life verse. I don't know. Such love, he says, has no fear. (laughs) No fear. Because perfect love expels all fear. If we were afraid, or if we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. Friends, according to that scripture, perfect love, God's love, casts out fear. We have no reason to be afraid of our Heavenly Father. Now again, we need to have a healthy respect for Him, just like we would a parental figure or someone else who's in authority over us. We need to understand their importance and their power and their position, and we need to give honor and respect that is due. Don't get me wrong. But from what I read, if we understand the love of God and we fully embrace the perfect love of a heavenly Father who was willing to come and be God with us, then we should have no fear of that God. And yet we do. I don't want to be afraid anymore. And furthermore, I don't want to inspire fear in the people that I preach to. Do you get me? Is this just me or is anybody else tracking with this? Friends, I'm telling you, this this fear thing is big. And you know what? I think oftentimes in our society today and, and even in the church sometimes, leaders use fear as a methodology to control or to push or, or to shove or to get people to do things. And, and I don't believe that's what Jesus did when he came. In fact, Jesus came for a whole other reason. If we look at Luke 4, 18 through 21, very quickly, we read Jesus' mission statement. He, he comes to his hometown where nobody wants to preach at their hometown because they know all your stories already, right? And Jesus comes to his hometown and and he gets in the synagogue and they say, hey, you're important. You do miracles. Here, read this for us. You know, you do the scripture reading today, Jesus. And so he pulls out the scroll and he reads these words. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Oh, and by the way, that all sinners would be afraid. It's not in there, is it? He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you have just heard has been fulfilled this very day. That tells us that that's all the stuff Jesus came to do. Let me ask you something. If you were poor and somebody brought you a million dollars, would that make you afraid? No. Not me. I'd be jumping for joy and buying you all presents. That's what I'd be doing. Right? Because when you're poor and you receive what you need, that doesn't inspire fear. 
When you're a captive and you get released, that doesn't inspire fear. When you're blind and suddenly you can see, that doesn't inspire fear. When you're oppressed and you get set free, that doesn't inspire fear. When you find out that the time of the Lord's favor has come, that should not inspire fear. Because this whole idea is that Jesus is talking about is this. Listen, the Jewish religious leaders, the people who have led you in the past have told you that God is an angry God waiting to punish you for everything that you do. And I'm here to tell you that this is the day of God's favor, not his judgment. There better be an amen, because this is way cooler than your faces are showing me right now. The time of God's favor has come. In other words, friends, God is happy with you. He likes you. Doesn't like all the stuff you do sometimes. Doesn't like all the thoughts you think or the things you say, but he likes you. Just like my loving wife loves me in spite of the stuff I do. God's attitude toward you. We don't need to fear him. And it is not right for us who do not need to fear our Heavenly Father to try to inspire fear in others to get them to do what we want them to do. Our church, every church, needs to make a change in, in, in their direction here. And we need to become churches that empower people because that's what Jesus did. That empower people through the love that God shows to us and the love that we're willing to show them instead of allowing them to live in fear. Because friends, we are living in fear, aren't we? We live in the, the, the least fearful place on the planet, in my opinion. There might be some Caribbean island or something that I don't know about, but the United States is, is pretty easy to live in. We, we all have a very good life compared to most of the rest of the world. Not universally, I understand there's problems here and, and there are certainly those who, who struggle. But we really have no reason to be afraid, most of us. And yet we still are. We create fears. We live in them. It's almost like it's our native language. And and I believe Jesus is saying, listen, the time of God's favor has come. It's time to stop being afraid. And it's time to let perfect love help you to overcome your fears. So that you can be the people I've called you to do. Have you ever felt God asking you to do something and you were too afraid to do it? If that's the case, I want you to raise your hand. Notice mine's going up. Perfect love casts out fear. Can you imagine what the church would look like today, what the world would look like today if all the people who followed Jesus allowed the love that they have for God to overcome their fear and just did what God asked them to do? Can you imagine what the world would look like if the people outside the church who don't know God saw a group of people empowered by love for him instead of afraid of the punishment they might get? I'm thinking we would sign up some more folks pretty quickly. Friends, Jesus came so that the favorable day of the Lord could be announced and so that it could come. We're living in that today. All of these things that Jesus said are acts of empowerment. And if he did them, then we should do them.